Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. For Yahoo Sports Canada, I'm your host, William Liu. I am breaking down the Toronto Raptors 1-1-1-100 win over the Charlotte Hornets in the first of three preseason games ahead of the 2020-2021 Toronto Raptors uh, season. And uh, yeah, look, first off, great to be back. Thanks to everyone for watching. Thanks to everyone who have supported the show in the past. Uh, the Reaction Podcast programming note will obviously be um, continuing for, I believe it's fourth or fifth season now, so... Um, Shout out to the people who are here day one who are listening to me literally recording, uh, uh, man, a Raptors Kings reaction podcast on my phone after the Raptors lost to Rudy Gay um, way back when. But um, yeah, I mean, fun game, fun game, fun way to start the season once again. Right off the top, no Kyle Lowry. So the Raptors, uh, I mean, they finally announced that Kyle is going to be uh out for this game and also the second game that's also going to be played in Charlotte, I believe on Monday. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, you can speculate whatever you want to. Kyle was scheduled to speak to the media um, earlier in training camp. Uh, and then the Raptors announced that there were three positive COVID tests. So then they canceled availability that day. They still had practice, but they canceled availability. They had Bobby Webster come on. And if you scroll through the Yahoo Sports Canada YouTube page, you'll see uh, how unwilling um bobby was to say anything at all about the, the covid case uh i would definitely want bobby as uh my alibi <laughs> or just test t- testifying in my favor because he does not say anything but yeah so no cow okay uh, you can speculate I, I don't know what specifically is going on but he's not there uh, nick nurse was asked about it he said it's basically load management. I don't know how much I believe that, but whatever. Put that aside. Kyle's not here for this game. He's not going to be for the next game. We'll see if he's here for the third game. Um, the Raptors played in preseason against Miami. But the rest of the Raptors, I mean, they played just fine. They they played just fine. Uh, I thought the Raptors got off to a really, really weird start. Um, a little sluggish, definitely. They were down 32-23 to after the first quarter. That includes a portion where the Hornets went on a 22 to nothing run, where the Raptors were forced to call timeout, sort things out. Things did not get sorted. Raptors looked real sloppy. Some bad turnovers, some bad shots, uh, you know, poor defensive rotations. It was looking tough. I mean, it was a 22 to nothing run. I don't know what you want me to say. But the Raptors turned it around, uh, and, I mean, they cruised from the rest of the way there. I mean, 35 to 19 in the second quarter. I thought the first unit settled in. Um, a lot more in their second shift. I thought at, to end the first quarter, you know, uh, first off, big shout out to Fred VanVleet for hitting this ridiculous spinning layup uh, to snap the 22 to nothing run um, because you, you at that point, when you're really down like that, you just need something to get you back going. And I thought Fred provided that. The very next play, he banks in a three. A bit lucky, maybe on both shots, but uh, that kind of stopped the bleeding. And I think when the second unit guys started coming in, that's when the Raptors really looked really, really smooth, really, really sharp. 
And that's really where the Raptors just absolutely uh, torched the Hornets for the rest of the way. Again, <laughs> they were down like 17, 18 points um, because of that 22 to nothing run. But uh, the Raptors embraced it very quickly and were in control the rest of the way. Uh, the guys who came in the second unit were, you know, really, really sharp. And, you know, I think in particular, Malachi Flynn, the rookie, uh, you know, and Matt Thomas, um, the second year player were sensational off the bench. Um, I mean, Flynn, I mean, Malachi was really, really fun. He was a plus 35 in this game. Now, I get it, man. Plus minus, you know, game to game, it's kind of ridiculous to look at it. But plus 35 in 20 minutes is unbelievable. And honestly, when you watched it, I mean, he was making all the right plays out there. But, um, yeah, I thought the second unit really got the Raptors going. Um, You know, I thought OG made a couple of great plays there. He had... What I thought was the play of the night where uh, he was running out in transition, I think after forcing the turnover, but he was running out in transition. Um, he was getting guarded by LaMelo Ball, who was kind of playing OG to drive baseline uh, and sitting on that uh, drive to um, to try to get the steal. OG anticipates it without breaking stride, puts the ball behind his back, right to left, then takes one more dribble, goes right in for the emphatic two-handed jam. Um, very, very good. If I have to sit, compare that to something, I would maybe compare it to Yao Ming versus uh, the Portland Trailblazers way back in the day. Uh, go look it up. Very, very smooth. Um, reverse the, <laughs> behind the back move by the 7'6 uh, goat from China. But um, yeah, OG was, you know, was real solid there. I thought his defense was really suffocating. I thought, you know, uh, early on, basically the Raptors were playing horribly offensively, but they got a lot of steals from Fred. I mean, Fred had five steals in 17 minutes. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. Uh, OG really was backing him up, and um, yeah, they were they were solid. And then the second unit guys came in, and Matt Thomas right away, bang, hits the three. Uh, one of his four threes on the night. Um, you know, he kind of studied the group there. Um, some other guys came in, gave some contributions, and then when Flynn came in, I was very intrigued because I thought first off, no Kyle coming into this game, so Flynn's going to get some extended run uh, as the backup point guard. Wanted to see what he would do with that second unit. And the first play, he was a little nervous, I must have been, because he got fouled, uh, ripped through the contact, got to the rim for a wide-open layup, missed the point-blank layup, but still got to the foul line, went to the foul line, then hit 0-for-2 from the free-throw line, and I was like, oh, damn, this is this is tough. Maybe he's really nervous or something. But no, uh, Malachi really settled in and was just quite sharp on both ends. I mean... In terms of that steadying presence that you want out of a point guard, Malachi absolutely had that influence um, on uh, the second unit. He was um, he was just very sharp. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think we all knew that, look, this is an older rookie, 22 years old. Um, you know, you would expect him to be a little bit more polished than, you know, let's say like, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball, for example, who just comes in, you know, he skipped college uh, to, to play in Australia, comes in you know, 18, 19 years old. There's got to be an experience gap there, but it's a big gap. <laughs> it's a big gap. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first off, if anyone watched Malachi closely in college, they would not be surprised, I think, whatsoever with how the way, the way he played. Um, if you go back in the podcast feed and listen to the interview that I did with uh, Zach Milner of The Stepian, uh, he's a draft expert, and I, and I talked to him extensively about um, Malachi Flynn and um, Jalen Harris, the two Raptors picks from this season. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's not surprising. This is all the stuff that, you know, people saw in college, you know, was on display here tonight with Malachi in terms of 
A, very, very poised guard. B, very, very good in the pick and roll. Um, last year in college, he was, uh, you know, arguably the best pick and roll player in college. Arguably the best point guard in college last year. Um, and a guy who won a lot of games. I mean, his team was 30-2. and two. And it wasn't like this was like, you know, oh, he was playing with Duke and there's all these players or Kentucky or, you know, Kansas or something like that. No, I mean, he was playing with San Diego State. Not a bad school, but, I mean, you know, it's not like a powerhouse necessarily. And uh, Malachi was, you know, voted the MVP of his conference. He was also voted the defensive player of the year of his conference, which rarely goes to guards. But, I mean, you saw it today. Like, Malachi was just... He's the definition of NBA ready. And I think when people hear NBA ready, they hear, oh, you know, that's not sexy. There's no upside. You know, it's like a Fred Van situation. You know, he's old. He's undersized. I'm going to skip on him. And that's probably why he dropped the 29. But he can play. He <laughs> just, I don't know, man. He can play. I mean, uh, you know, people get drafted every year. Uh, very few of them actually stick. You know, I'm very, very confident that Malachi will stick because his game is just ready for it. I mean, I think... Some of the concerns I thought was, not even a concern, but just, you know, he was on the ball so much in college. How would he do off the ball? I thought he worked really well in the Raptors' two-point guard system, right? Um, And oddly enough, the other point guard was Matt Thomas, who's not quite a point guard, but today was acting very much like a point guard. But Malachi and Thomas, the two of them had a really good two-man game there. I thought Malachi made very, very simple plays that were always the right play. It was almost a weird contrast in style between the way Malachi played and the way LaMelo played. Because LaMelo, I mean, he had legitimate highlights. I mean, the passing is really, really fun to watch with him. Absolutely. He has other flaws in his game, but the passing is, you know, already makes me want to watch the next game that LaMelo plays, which also will be against the Raptors, and I'll be watching anyway, but the the game after that. Um, But yeah, Malachi is just, he's, he's really, really solid and very, very smart plays in terms of Breaking down the defense, kicking it out, um, finding ways to um, just, you know, create in a half-court situation. You know, he had a pull-up three, which was part of his game. And for a small guard, absolutely, off the pick-and-roll, you need to be a threat to pull up if you're going to be an effective um, guard uh, in the pick-and-roll game, in the modern game. And Malachi had that in his game. Um, He had that in college as well. Uh, He had simple plays too, like just like simply swinging the ball, reversing it to Matt Thomas for three. Again, passing to Matt Thomas... A very, very smart play, like, you know, 99.9% of the time. Um, and then even very, very simple reads where, you know, it, it doesn't look that good and it wasn't an assist in his column. But there was a play where the Raptors got out on the fast break. I think Malachi actually forced a turnover, but he was leading the break. And the Raptors kind of had like a four-on-three situation. But two of the defenders on the Hornets were on the same side as Malachi. Malachi had the vision then to reverse the ball, swing the ball over to Norman Powell on the wing. And that situation, it was a two-on-one. What Malachi saw very quickly was that there was a two-on-one advantage on the right side of the floor. And so he gave the ball up really, really early in that possession to Norm. That pass forced the Hornets defender to come commit to Norm. Then Norm swung the ball to Matt Thomas, who had already made it his way into the corner. Uh, the defender then obviously is desperate lunges out at Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas coolly pump fakes him and hits the corner three. It's um it's a very simple play. And again, you're not seeing an assist in the column there for Malachi Flynn, but that entire play is made by Malachi, recognizing early in the possession, very early, like literally two or three seconds into the shot clock, that that's how the, the possession was going to go. He saw that all go down. And it's very simple stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's not anything that, um you know, it's, it's hardly Steve Nash, with wraparound passes to Amari Sotomayor or something like that. But 
those are the kind of really, really simple functional passes that you need. And I thought he played well off the ball as well in terms of relocating, getting open for three. You know, Flynn uh, hit two catch and shoot threes, hit one pull-up three. Um, the other areas of his game, I think, you know, getting to the rim, you know, he, he you know, there are things he can do to improve on that front. You know, the floater, I don't think he really did much of that today. But very, very good debut. And, of course, the guy beside him, Matt Thomas, fantastic. Uh, we, I mean, you know, look, at this point, it's not just propaganda. At this point, it is just straight up Matt Thomas is very good. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I asked Matt about sort of after the game, like, what did the Raptors coaches have to say to you? Because he cracked the rotation by the end of the playoffs, which is significant for any rookie. It's especially significant for a guy like Matt, who honestly, at the start of the season, nobody would have predicted that. No one would have thought that. Um, and you know, what Matt said was basically, look, he treated the, um, the time off like uh, a second, um, season in a way. And he was able to, you know, obviously he, as he mentioned, you know, once he was able to leave Canada, leave Toronto after all the quarantine and stuff like that, uh, he was able to make his way to Wisconsin. He was able to get into a gym and work on his game. And I think the rookie Matt Thomas, uh, was already gone by the time the bubble had started because we saw him have that career high. 25 points against the Bucks. We saw him, you know, crack the rotation in the Nets series. We saw him crack the rotation in the Celtics series, you know, as the eighth man. But still, I mean, that's it's a game seven. If you play in a game seven, your coach trusts you, all right? Um, there's a lot of players who did not play in that game seven, and Matt did. And, you know, I think he showed improvements in his game. And I think what you're seeing right now is something that um, I remember seeing sort of over the course of his rookie year. It was like, look, he, he's a shooter, but... What are other things that you can do on top of being a shooter? If you're a shooter and you're a lethal shooter where people are always leaping out at you and stuff, you need to, or not even you need to, but you have a great opportunity then to create for your teammates. And I think Matt has shown his handle was quite good. I mean, I remember, you know, <laughs> way back when, when you could actually go to the games and, and watch me work out before the game. Matt Tom was always working on his handle, always you know, working these uh, intensive dribble, uh, dribbling um, drills with uh, assistant coach Brittany Donaldson. Uh, just all the time, always working on his handle. And you can see the, the the product. I'm not saying he's like crossing people up. This is not AI or anything like that. But um, Matt can get to places that he wants to go to. And he's fairly quick. And because people are always closing out at him, it's easy for him to drive in. And there's a couple of plays when he first came into the game, you know, kind of a broken sequence. The Raptors offense at that point had not gotten going yet. And Matt uh, had two plays back-to-back where you know, he caught the ball in the swing, immediately attacked, got into, the, you know, the mid-range area. Defenses, again, someone else comes over to him, and he's first possession, he, sw- he kicks it out uh, to the wing to OG for three. The next possession, Matt drives in again, same side of the floor. He finds uh, OG Anobi in the dunker spot. This time, OG finishes with a dunk. That's fantastic. And he had five assists tonight. And, uh, you know, it, that's the secondary element of Matt Thomas's game where, I think there's only so much you can do in terms of shooting, right? I mean, he can get open and stuff like that, but, like, there's only so many times you can run plays for someone and stuff like that. It, within the flow of the game, and especially the way the Raptors like to play, you know, obviously they play a lot of two-point guard. And I think, you know, Matt, if he can functionally handle a little bit, can sort of play that two-point uh, guard role. Maybe not the primary point guard, but a little bit of that too. And there's a precedent for players like him in the NBA. Um, I think successful examples in terms of what Matt could potentially be Obviously, J.J. Redick is cited all the time because they're both, you know, old man and the three uh, podcast people, I guess. It's, that's that's my analogy for them now. Um, no, but, like, you know, that's the obvious comp. And, of course, there's things that they have studied, you know, uh, you know, Matt has studied about J.J. 
And obviously, um, Chris Finch coming from the Pelicans worked with JJ last year, you know, has already talked about trying to incorporate some of those things in the Mets game, which is fantastic. Absolutely. But I think, you know, some of the other players in that category, like a Patty Mills, like a Seth Curry, for example, who are maybe undersized shooters, but are really, really good shooters and are really effective in terms of not just shooting, but also handling the ball and playmaking just a little bit. Those are not the primary playmakers for their team, but Seth Curry can get you like three assists. Like, Patty Mills can get you three assists. And, you know, again, when people are always diving and jumping out at you, you can get assists. I thought one of the best passes of the night, Matt Thomas, coming off of a pin down on one side of the floor, catches the ball, coming off a screen from uh, Utah Watanabe, and this is in the third quarter. And the two defenders at that point, I think Matt had already made like three or four threes. The two defenders, both Matt's defender and also uh, Watanabe's defender, jump out immediately at Matt. The two guys jump out right at him. And what Watanabe, what uh, Matt Thomas was able to do was he jumped into the air, made it look like he was going to shoot, and then immediately flicked the ball midair to Watanabe, who smartly relocated behind the three-point line and, 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 and shot the pick-and-pop three. Um, you know, that's something that, again... It's really simple. It doesn't really take, like, you know, incredible vision to do that. You don't need to be LaMelo making these, like, really, really beautiful, gorgeous passes, like full court, behind the back, no look, all this other stuff. You don't have to do all that stuff. What you need to do as a shooter is when you draw two is find a way to create something else for your teammate. And I thought that was a great pass. To be honest, I didn't see a lot of jump passes from Matt Thomas last season anyway. So, um you know that's that's all fantastic, and the more leaps he takes offensively, the harder it is going to keep him on the on, on the bench. You know, Nick Nurse already said, look, there are sometimes he's going to get overwhelmed defensively, but he knows what he's doing. He's following the game plan, and he's solid. It's not always that he's going to be overwhelmed, and I think it's honestly more likely than not that Matt will overwhelm the defense rather than the 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 offense overwhelming his defense. Um, he was quite good tonight. He was quite good tonight. Honestly, I mean, he's going to be the first star tonight, but. Um, just a solid stretch. And then, you know, to end the second quarter, some other nice plays. I thought, um, you know, Pascal Siakam, uh, he settled in a little bit. He shot 3 of 10. You know, I, I don't worry too much about that. I think the three-point shot for him looked smoother just based on what I saw. Defenses are still really packing the paint against him, loading up. Pascal hit either two or three pull-up threes, but he hit three threes, three of six from three uh, in a row. Uh, and the one thing you're noticing with Pascal is that, you know, that little foot tap that he does, that little, um, uh, you know, DDR move, <laughs> like he's not doing that with his right leg now. He's not trying to like, I mean, it, it it's like the equivalent of trying to find the light switch in the dark where he's sort of just like tapping his foot on various spots before he can finally shoot the three. He's not doing that anymore. The footwork looks a little bit more steady and the shot just looked better again this is one game we're looking at a small sample not going to conclude immediately that pascal is turning into kd or something i don't think that's happened i just mean that 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 foot tap is gone and that's something that's noticeable and that's something that is important um but i thought pascal did a decent job of creating for others um you know the first unit offensively just kind of struggled a little bit but they looked a little bit more unfamiliar oddly enough then the second unit, i thought norm had a really tough game forced a lot of shots a lot of turnovers some some reach in fouls. Um, Aaron Baines okay in his debut. Um, five and five. You know took a took a charge. Um, got beat red um, after taking the charge. Looked really winded, but stayed in the game. Obviously had a little hook shot. Had one of his uh, threes. I mean, you know played in Aaron Baines mode. I think defensively the first unit will be get a lot better. I think transition wise they're going to play better when they're 
you know, actually executing offensively, and they're not always running out uh, the other team. And um, also, honestly, they just they missed a lot of rotations. And I thought, you know, Baines was a little bit lost. Not in terms of he doesn't know where to go, but just it's a lack of experience with this group. I think um, one thing that's really underrated is you ha- you don't obviously don't have Mark, you don't have Serge. Those guys are uh, talking to each other before games in LA, which um, it's hard to watch. Um, but those two guys, in addition to being good defenders, they were just really good communicators, and they were able to sort of be the backline of your defense. And the communication is so important, especially in a defense like you know the way the Raptors like to play, guys flying out, um, really racing the three point line, you know, rotating, scrambling. Uh, you're going to need people to communicate or his own defense. You're definitely going to need people to communicate. And I don't know if that communication was totally there. Um, the atmosphere obviously was mad dead because there was nobody in, in the crowd and uh, they weren't pumping up uh, crowd noise. Also, uh, Matt and Leo on the broadcast sounded like wine moms on a Saturday night. They were just giggling nonstop, which I, you know, all right. Uh, I don't know if it's that funny that Matt likes to eat Kawartha ice cream. Um, but... Anyway, I mean, it, it just, you know, you couldn't really hear the level of communication that you normally would be able to hear with the Raptors. I don't know if this was a broadcasting or whatever, but um, it also wouldn't be surprising because Kyle is obviously a huge communicator for that team. He's not out there. And, of course, you know, without uh, Mark and Serge, this is something that will be way more easier to validate if I could, you know, physically be there to watch some of these games. And obviously I can't, but... Uh, yeah, you know, hopefully the Raptors find another communicator. I mean, Baines is obviously a veteran, too. He knows how to communicate. It's just sort of the confidence in doing so, in knowing all the schemes. You know, the newest guy coming in to do the most communicating is always going to be a little awkward. Um, so we'll see. But, I, I mean, I fully expect the Raptors to be really good defensively. I think Baines is going to be really solid defensively. I don't think there's any real issues there other than inexperience. Um, I mean, otherwise, you know, the, the other guys looked okay. Um uh, yeah, Utah Watanabe came in. You know, I was surprised he played with the second unit instead of the third unit, considering he's one of those guys on one of those unguaranteed contracts. He was honestly quite solid defensively. You know, he knew where to go. He was active, following the game plan. He's long and athletic. Uh, he scrambles well. Um, you know, disciplined. I, I I don't mind him. I mean, he, if he can hit the 3-2, he's a lefty. Uh, solid player. Um, Bembry came in. Didn't really notice him too much. He was kind of... Saddled with playing playing with a group that didn't have any other natural playmakers, so he had to play make, which is kind of similar to his role in Atlanta last season when they had injuries and then no backup point guard. Bembry's not really a point guard because he really can't shoot, but uh, he can handle a little bit, get to the rim. You know, I would say maybe like a less uh, ball dominant version of Rondé um, so far from what I'm seeing. The other guys is hard to really conclude too much as off of you know uh, Paul Watson was probably the best out of the uh, third unit guys. I thought some of the other guys looked really shaky. You know, Stanley, you know, was was Stanley, let's be real. Um, Alize Johnson didn't really see too much from him. Uh, Boucher had some nice moments, but also had some not nice moments, some great blocks, but five personal fouls in 14 minutes is not great. Um, You know, but yeah, Paul Watson, I was impressed. I, I You know, I think he's pretty good. I think, um, you know, he's shown that he can be a 3-and-D guy. You know, he came up with two chase-down blocks um, right at the rim, which was quite nice you know, as part of that fourth quarter. Again, they were playing against guys that I, I had no idea who they were, uh, admittedly. Um, you know, I obviously cover the NBA, and that's my job. But, I mean, like, who are some of these guys? 
Um, shout out to Canadian guard Nate Darling, I guess. But I mean, no, seriously, I, I, I couldn't recognize some of these players on the floor. But Paul, you know, three blocks in that short time that he played, hit a three as well. You know, he's just solid. I, I really would like to see him play with at least a second unit, uh, you know, maybe next game when the Raptors play again. But um, on the whole, the Raptors were solid, you know, and the Hornets just weren't that great. I, I, I you know. Yeah, they got Gordon Hayward. You know, he does what he does. I don't know how much he lifts the play of everyone else. He's not really a dominant player. As such, he's a veteran. He only played 20 minutes. Hard to judge based off of that. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, I mean, the rest of the thing. I Honestly, the guy that interests me the most on the, the Hornets is Lonzo Ball. Or uh, Lonzo Ball. Um, Lamella Ball, who, uh, I mean, really weird stat line. 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 turnovers, 2 personal fouls, 0 for 5 from the field, 0 points. Really, really strange, but he is a really, really good playmaker. Uh, and the passes, I know he only had four assists, but man, he makes really nice passes. Um, and and I think really with the mark of a really good passer is that they make really simple passes and simple plays look really cool. And that's something that he has. It almost reminds me of like a really young Ricky Rubio kind of style where there was so much flair and panache in terms of the angles, the creativity, the behind the back, the vision, the, the you know, the type of passes, you know, spinning the ball on a bounce pass, you know, full court, 25 feet. Like, you know, he has a lot of that in his game. The only issue is I don't think he could score. I mean, based on the way he was playing, I don't know if he was really much of a scorer. Again, this is his, literally his, like, NBA preseason debut. I can't judge too much off that. But he didn't shoot the ball that high and efficiently um, when he played – uh, overseas, so you know we'll see. But I mean, having Ricky Rubio as sort of your floor is not bad. I mean, for a third pick, yeah, it might be a little bit unsexy, but it, it's fun watching him play. I mean, I, again, it, it, I would I would watch more um, Lamelo for sure. I mean, the passing is is quite fun. I'm always a big sucker for, for great passers, um, but he might kind of fit into that passer, great passer, but not a great score mold, which happens a lot. Um, you know, I, I mean, like Jason Kidd even falls into that probably the highest, highest end of that. Rondo is a little bit like that. Um, Rubio's like that. You know, Jason Williams is like that. Like, th- there have been archetypes of the players like that. I think it really is the is how effective you can be even without the scoring um, and then be just like how effective you can be actually with the scoring because you, you can't be an absolute zero in terms of scoring. You're not going to be very good. But if you can even get to a point where you're capable and you put a threat on the defense and then you pair that with the playmaking, that's quite fun. So, I'm, you know, look, I was interested in very few players on the Hornets before this. So the fact that they had uh, LaMelo is is now, you know, one player on our team that I definitely would like to watch. Um, you know, it's a, it's a weird team. But as for the Raptors, yeah, good night. They, they had the win. Uh, in terms of your three stars, I'm going to go with the first star, Matt Thomas. 16 points, five assists, two steals, plus 22 in 22 minutes. Five and seven, shoot, or five and nine shooting, four of seven from three, two of two from the free throw line. Uh, you know, Matty Ice, man. I mean, he's 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 quite good. He's quite good, and he looks to be improving too, which is always important. How much improvement can you show um, early in your career? That's it's like one of the biggest determinants of whether you're going to stick or not. I think Matt's going to stick. Uh, second star, I'm giving that to Malachi Flynn. Only nine points, but a plus thirty-five in twenty minutes. Three of seven from the field, three of six from the three. So polished, um, two rebounds, four assists, a steal. Um, I, I, I talked about his uh, his passing and also his scoring, but he is very solid defensively. I, again, you know, he uh, you know won Defensive Player of the Year for his uh, conference. And, yeah, you could see why, man. I mean, look, first off, I think he looks stronger 
and bigger um, now than he did maybe in college. So a little bit worried about him being undersized. I think the Hornets guards are undersized. Um, you know, when you look at like Devontae Graham or like Terry Rozier, for example, Flynn didn't really strike me as undersized. I mean, he's not that tall. He's like 6'2". Uh, but like he doesn't look that small. He's physically strong. He's he's absorbed some contact. And I think, you know, it, you know he's very good in terms of like... Um, uh, closing out under control. He's not going to give up the drive. He's going to uh, not going to give up the foul. He's also not going to give up. Um, you know, leave his feet much like that. He's not going to play defense like that, um, which is important. But also, he has some strength too. Like I thought, one play that was really impressive to me was uh, Malachi Flynn was guarding Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier was trying to get uh, him off of him on a pick and roll. Rozier kind of like you know gave him a little shove. Uh, try to be physical with the rookie. And then the screener came by and was really trying to be physical. I think it was Cody Zeller, who's a pretty big dude. And Flynn just fought through it, stayed attached, stayed connected right through the screen. And Rozier ended up traveling because of how much ball pressure he was under. Malachi, is, he's very solid. And for a guy like Nick, I mean, Nick is only going to play you if you're good at defense or if you're like literally Matt Thomas at shooting the three. And I think Flynn, A, is already quite good offensively. But uh, if he can defend anywhere near this level where he's already a plus defender at, at the point guard position as a rookie, then we are seeing a rotation player already. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I know how much, you know, Nick has high standards. I know it's it's a rookie. I know you have to respect the hierarchy. Obviously, you know, uh, <laughs> Nick also loves Pat McCaw, who's, who's out today with, with continuing to uh, rehab from his knee surgery that he had in the offseason or last season. But yeah, I mean, you know, Flynn is quite good. He gets my second star. And then the third star, you can go a couple of places here. I thought Fred, you know, uplifted the team early on, but he'd missed a couple of shots. He forced a couple of shots. Quite honestly, the first unit just had nothing until someone had to start the car, essentially, and, and Fred started the car. But I'm going to give it to OG. 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, or 2 steals, 5 of 10 from the uh, field, 1 of 4 from 3. Um, yeah, I, I like the way he was active. I like... Um, the fact that, I mean, this is something that Leo pointed out in the broadcast. Looks like OG trimmed down a little bit more. He's a little bit more lean and compact. Didn't obviously think he was out of shape whatsoever before. But, you know, I think he's... He just looks really springy and wiry and also, like, insanely strong. Which, uh, I mean, again, I don't want to drive the Kawhi comparisons because they're literally unfair. But, um, you know, Kawhi also has the same element. And OG was quite good today, so... I apologize for the scream in the background. I have some, uh, you know, unstable neighbors, unfortunately. Um, they have been doing this for most of the night. But, uh, yeah, okay. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award, um, I'm going to give that to Miles Bridges. Came off the bench, uh, 12 points, uh, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. I like him. I honestly, the Hornets have um, a very, very similar players between Bridges and uh, P.J. Washington. Just, like, thick forwards. I think that should be a new position. No more power forwards because I think a lot of wings now play power forward. I think the big distinguishing factor is whether those players are thick or not. Thick forward should be the new position and then small forward um, because, you know, Miles Bridges is absolutely a thick forward in the, in the sense that he can use his strength to body people and he absolutely caught Chris Boucher with a dunk. You know, uh, Chris had a good game overall, a decent game, but I mean, yeah, Miles Bridges had a great dunk. Go watch it on... on, on it's not quite DeMar DeRozan versus Chris Boucher from last year, but um, you should go look up that dunk. It, it was quite good. Uh, in terms, I guess no Patrick Patterson award. It's not really the playoffs. So that does it, honestly, for game one. Again, thanks everyone for listening. Again, we're, we're the Raptors Reaction Podcast 
is back for yet another season. Obviously, huge thanks to uh, Yahoo, obviously, for you know, giving me this platform. Huge thanks, everyone, for listening. And, you know, I haven't said this in a while, but um, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You know, Raptors over everything. We're trying to give you the same scale, same volume of content as uh, you have come to expect from this show. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, three to four to five episodes a week. We're going to have the weekly podcast. We're going to have the live call-in show eventually. Right now, it's a Twitter mailbag with Josh Hart. Uh, we're going to have the reaction podcasts. And, um, yeah, I'm honestly just really excited to covering the team again. Um, you know, it's it's been a short off season, but I mean, still, it's been two months. So when the Raptors were playing the Hornets tonight, I got quite excited and uh, very energized to cover the game. I think, you know, look, I know the Raptors lost some players, but I mean, come on, there's still some pretty good players here. There's some young players that are grown into new roles. There are some very lovable players who are still here from before. And yeah, you know, it's it's a good team. And listen, nothing gets you through a Canadian winter better than watching the Raptors especially over the last, like, you know, seven, eight years now. So uh, very, very thankful for the Raptors. Very thankful for everyone who's listening. And, uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for having Sports Canada. And uh, I'll be back um, after the Raptors play their next uh, preseason game, which will be Monday against the Charlotte Hornets once again. So thanks for listening. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.